how comparison, how comparing yourself to other players in your sport or on your team can uh, lead into negative performance or malperformance and then devaluing yourself uh, and just um, a decrease in your confidence. Coach, what's up? What's up, what's up? What's up, man? Thank you for having me again. I've been having so much fun doing these. Um, you know, just being able to to share some knowledge and drop some knowledge for the for the younger athletes and and even for the parents. I know we've touched on um, working with parents a little bit just to get them to understand, you know, what's going on inside an athlete's mind, what's going on going on inside their kid's mind, and that mental side of of sports preparation, just how important it really is. So excited to be here again. So thank you. Awesome, awesome. I appreciate you. This has been fun. Um, I'm I'm gonna make up some other topics, so we gotta so I'll keep you at work. <laughs> bring it on, bring it on. I'm a I'm a pray. Get up, get the sparks up, get the sparks up. Y'all really? don't know. Really? Y'all don't know. Lisa Wesley, bring, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got your shirt? What you got going on over there? Man, I got my Houston Energy football shirt hey, on. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the team I a football team I played for. So what? Um, representing. Football. Football. That's dope. Yeah. I wish I could play. Mm-mm. Man, listen, that's that's a different level of work. And with all that gear on, you get a lot slower. Like, if you're slow and you put yeah. that gear on, you're really slow. And I'm pretty fast. Yeah. With all that gear on, I felt like I was running in sand. I'm about I'm to like, say. Man, this must have been what our post players felt like when they were trying to make their sprints. <laughs> I Hey, I'm not mad that they were struggling at yeah. all. Like, it's their struggle was real. I get it. <laughs> Like, oh, this is what they were doing. This with. is what they were going through. That's okay. Hey, you know what? I respect the post players a lot more for making those sprint times. That's tough, man. So, how, how did it feel to play football and tackle people? Um, you know, it was cool. I can't get too physical in basketball. Well, I know you can't, so it's really different. So, like, when I was first learning how to tackle, uh-huh. I always went back to taking a charge. So, I would just kind of like catch them and like let them fall forward. And it was like, oh, well, they're getting yards. So, I probably should stop doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to re I had to relearn how to do that. And yeah, it's definitely different with, you know, obviously contact is very necessary in football. But, um, Overall, man, it, it was a lot of fun. It was, it's a different level of um, mental preparation and physical preparation, even just because your body feels a lot more tired yeah. from going through like a, a, a hitting practice. You right. don't really have hitting practices in basketball. You may have like a charge drill or something, but you don't really have a hitting practice. So those not quite like that. <laughs> That's a different sport. That's boxing. Okay. Um, My bad. That's the wrong <laughs> But no, nah, I mean, it was cool, though. It was cool. It was real cool. I got to travel a little bit and won a Super Bowl. And um, yeah. So that was that was after. So you played Poland. You went to Poland and then you played um, in the States. So that was last year and the year before. So 2018 and 2019, I played tackle. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, tell me if you start lacing up again, I'll be in the front row with nope. my palms and my sign. Oh, nope, no. I didn't even – here's the deal. My second year playing, I really didn't want to play, but I allowed my um, defensive coordinator to talk me back into playing another year. Mm-hmm. And um, so then after that, I was like, no, I'm done. It's not that I didn't like it. I really enjoyed it. I loved it. But um, I had no intentions of trying to play long term. Like I know some players who have been playing for like 10 years. no. 
That's yeah. not for me. I was good with my one season and I wanted to be done. I got two seasons and I'm done. So, hey, I, I can Look, say I played. That's you about it. You got a championship? Uh, yeah, I won a Super Bowl my first year. I made the all-star team. And then my second year, I made um, USA AFE team. We played out in Cancun. And then I was done after that. Well, that, that's all you need. Yeah. I played seven years of pro ball and I ain't getting no championship. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'd be like, oh, yep, got my ring, I'm out. Boom. Yep. Hall of yep. in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. All right, coach, man. I appreciate the talk. We just got to, did you know, a little bit of did you know about this? I know, coach? right? Okay. Um, so we're talking about comparison, guys, today. Coach, have you do you can you remember any moments in your career from high school coming on up um, where you were comparing yourself maybe at maybe it was a change in levels and you saw other players, other strengths? Did you ever have a comparison uh, issue going on? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I I think every athlete has had moments where they've compared themselves. Um, if a new player comes on the team and they're in your position and the coach seems to really like their game, then you start to compare. Um, if you start playing, once you start playing really competitive and you see other players who are in your position, you start to compare because you know that you're competing with them, not just in the game, but for scholarship opportunities. If they're on your team, you're competing for playing time. And so that comparison starts to creep in when, you see they can do something better than you or you see the coach really takes to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're like, man, well, what do they have that I don't have? And it's like, dang, I guess I better figure out how to do that. And, and it, it comparison um, can be good and bad, but usually it, it goes bad way faster yeah. than it can go good. And something that um, Theodore Roosevelt said was comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And I really like that quote because what happens is when you start comparing yourself to other athletes, mm -hmm. it's hard for you to find joy and happiness in why you started playing whatever sport to begin with, because you're too busy comparing, well, I don't do this and I don't do that. And coach likes this, but not this. So maybe they don't like me. Maybe that's why I'm not playing right. and the other. And then you end up, actually making it worse for you. You make the entire um, experience worse for you and that brings you down. And so um, comparison is like the more you start to compare yourself, your game, whatever, to other players, your self-doubt increases, right? Yes, yes. And once self-doubt creeps in, your confidence decreases. So it's it's one of those things where when you start to lose confidence in yourself and your abilities and what you actually bring to the team, mm -hmm. comparison, comparing yourself to these people is what's stealing your joy, which is actually hurting your game. Which just it's like a big snowball; it just keeps spiraling out of control. And so you have to be really careful with with comparison. So I mean, every everyone goes through it. Yeah, I, I definitely had some of those times. Um, and, and if I look back, I think it's, it's mostly when my confidence might've been at a, at a lower level than usual, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe because I was, um, trying to overcome some type of surgery or injury, mm -hmm. um, new coaches, mm -hmm. new players in my same position. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, players that were, that were just clearly faster than me, taller mm -hmm. than me. Maybe you went to a new team and comparison started to creep in. 
go to a new team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, all kind of those, all kind of moments where you can be like, you know, you start to look at other people, like you said, and then it's all, it's, it's an, it's almost an automatic negative type yeah. lens. Yeah. I have this, they have that. And I, I'm, I, I didn't bring myself down, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. Let's see how, how, how I got over those was to just remember what I do. What, yep. what do I do? Well, what do I do the best? that I can do or well, what do I do the best on my team? And that was always, you know, not in this, well, not in this order I could score. I was 15 footer in, hit the shot, drive in, defense and rebounding. It was defense and rebounding that really just got me on the starting five and kept me there. Yeah. It was the sure. ability to be consistent with rebounds. That's a small, great effort. Small, I'm, I, I got, I'm tiny four. I call my position tiny four because I felt so small. Yeah. <laughs> but I played the four. But I was I was fast and I, I was just scrappy. Yeah. I, knew I had to do something more yep. than just score. Yep. And then if I got the ball enough to score, or if I stole the ball and got some um some fast breaks on my yep. own or some rebounds and putbacks, that's really how I scored. Mm-hmm. There was no offense for me. I was just what you wait, wait a minute. They didn't run the ball through you every play. Come on. <laughs> I was the reversal. Oh, you were so the reverse man. Reverse and go screen away. I had that key pivotal decision every time we had to play. Do I shoot it? Do I reverse it? Because if I if I take the shot, like I miss. Now don't reverse it. Coach is gonna pull me out. Now reverse screen away. Reverse. It had that lane had to be wide open not to reverse that ball. Man. So. The thief of joy, I really like that, how you put that. Um, new players, we talked about different uh, moments where you might feel com- uh, feel the need to compare yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other, so we talked about confidence overall will decrease. What what other things start to, to decrease and then kind of sink in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I kind of wrote down this little chart or whatever and basically when you're when you start to compare so when comparison increases self-doubt increases when comparison increases confidence decreases Mm -hmm. when comparison increases consistency decreases so all of those obviously are bad and you don't want to hinge your entire career on comparison so like there's a difference between comparing and seeing something in someone else's game that you want to add to your game. Those are two very different things. And unfortunately, I feel like comparison just gets the overarching term for both of those. And that's not necessarily true. So, um, you know, where your energy, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So if you're constantly comparing and using comparison to say, well, they have this and I don't, and they have that and I don't, you're bringing all of this like destructive energy and this negative energy to yourself. And you're basically talking yourself down and putting that other person on a pedestal so high that you can't even see what you're bringing to the team. You can't even see what you contribute and you're you're you almost get so insecure in your own position that you can't you begin to not do anything right even the things that you do so well you can't even do those right anymore and yeah. so uh, you 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 can't perceive someone else 
as so far ahead of you, just like you can't perceive yourself as so far ahead of them. So it's like one of those things where, um, yeah, I may be a better three-point shooter than someone on my team, than someone else on my team. Okay, great. I know that I bring three-point shooting to the table. That doesn't mean that I'm just like head over heels, they're trash, I'm the best. No, you can't really – you may think that when you're shooting the ball. Yes, obviously you want to shoot with confidence. I'm not saying don't be confident in your skills. No, right. what I'm saying is you can't necessarily just compare all the time. Just I'm a better three-point shooter. They're a better ball handler. I'm this, I'm that, they're this, they're that. Like you can't just keep doing that over and over and over because you're you're taking your focus away from the, the right things that you need to be focusing on. Strengthening your three-pointer, strengthening your ball handling, keeping your strengths, strengths, and, and bringing your weaknesses along little at, a little at a time. So you can't just be so proud. Mm-hmm. You almost have to, it's like a humbling experience. You just can't be so proud because you, you can always, you know, just completely fall flat on the face of the earth and it, it doesn't ever go well. So with comparison, you just really have to um, push it out of your mind. Don't let that become a distraction. Focus on what you're good at and make yourself better at that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's rebounding, defense, shooting, ball handling, your vision, your leadership, your work ethic, it, it, it getting to the rim. It doesn't matter what it is. Find your strengths, focus on those. And when you focus on your strengths, that's going to keep comparison at bay because it's not going to matter what other people are doing because you're so focused on what you do as an individual on that team. You're so focused on your uniqueness on that team and what you bring to the team that you don't have time to compare. Cause when you start comparing, you get in your head and then it's like, Oh man, I missed that three. Well, that person probably would have made it. Now you're comparing in the middle of a game and you can't focus on anything else. Well, that's not helpful. It's not helpful for anyone. It's not helpful for your team, for you, your coach. And then you get put on the bench and now you're comparing your mistakes to some arbitrary person who hadn't even gotten the game yet. It, <laughs> it just messes with your head across the board. So just, just stay away from, if at all possible, comparison. And there are ways to do that. One of them is focusing on what you could control. Right. Focus on what you can control. You can control how hard you work. You can control what you work on outside of practice. You can control what you're thinking about and, and giving your energy and attention to. You can control all of those things. Now, to the other point, there's nothing wrong with seeing something in someone else's game and working to add that to your game. There's nothing wrong with that. Players do it all the time. Kobe modeled his game after Jordan. Sabrina Inescu took a whole bunch of tips um, from Kobe, rest in heaven to him. Um, Elena Deladon does it. I mean, she didn't make up the sky hook. Right. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying, man, I really like that move. I really like how they did that. I'm going to go practice that. That's not comparing. That's adding to your game. That's saying I'm going to take this, make myself better with that one thing, which makes my entire skill set better, right? So you do you do a drill to develop a skill, and then that skill becomes a part of your skill set, right? Right. So there's nothing wrong with that. That's not comparison. So just in general, you have to make sure that you are um, evaluating 
if you are if you see someone else in your position who does something nice, don't compare, hey, they do this and I don't say, man, I really like what they have. I like that one piece of their game. I'm going to I want to work to add it to mine. Do something exactly. keep your mind there because that's growing you as an individual. Mm-hmm. It's growing you as an athlete. And that helps your team and whatever teams you play on thereafter. Yeah. So that's kind of where the difference is between comparison and adding to your game. Yeah, exactly. And and basically, uh, any players out there, if you're if you're watching, that is called reinventing yourself by adding skill sets, adding skills to make your skill set bigger. Yep. And I kind of think of it as, you know, comparison versus admiration. Mm-hmm. I admired a lot of my teammates speed, their mm-hmm. ability to get to the basket, mm-hmm. their ability to defend, which was better than mine. And so once I got a little older, it was more I turned that into admiration. Like like you said, I like that about them. Let me try to add that a little bit to my game so mm-hmm. I can better myself and better my team. Yep. Right. Um Instead of continuing to compare and be like, oh, you know, take myself down that rabbit hole of of fear, yep. and anxiety, and yep. um, not being able to compare. I mean, not compare, compare, but uh, compete. And then I feel like in more of a team setting, it, it instead of uh, thinking about comparing, think about how compatible we are. Because, yeah. Because we are different. Yeah. Because they are better at dribbling than I am because I'm better at getting in there to, with bigger, dif- bigger people and getting the rebound. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm strong. Right. Right. It's more of a, when you think about it around your team, if I'm looking at you and you're my teammate, my point guard, I'm looking at you to see how different we are. I'm c- comparing, but it's, it's compatibility. Yes. Why are we on the same team? Why right. are you better at something than, and I'm not right. and vice versa. Right. Because we all are, small or bigger pieces to a puzzle but no piece is more important than another piece yep because we need everybody yep i may have a small piece i may only be a big person that just screams the heck out of people guess what when we need to get you open hey coming in (laughs) reverse (laughs) and screen away (laughs) and get you open right so that's that's that kind of analogy i like players and especially young players to continue and remember is that even if you don't get to play, you know, more than half the game, right. we need you. Yeah. Somebody grows down and gets hurt. We need you to yep. bring your energy. We need your energy on the bench. Right. If you're our best free throw free throw shooter, but for some reason, you, you know, you don't get a lot of playing time. We need you to be locked in until we have Zero seconds. Yes. Because that game might be tight. Somebody's got Make blood. Up on their free throws. Somebody's got blood on their um jersey. She gotta come out. Yep. Guess who's coming in? You. Come on, 90% free throw shooter. You're come up. On, 99.999. Right. <laughs> you gotta be you gotta stay locked in. Yep. And that's a that's a small piece to the puzzle, but that each piece makes our puzzle right. look like uh, a mosaic or some art. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I mean, even, even to add on to that, with when it comes to comparison and you're talking about playing time, it's one of those things where understanding what your role is on the team with the compatibility, right? So if yeah. even if I don't play a lot of minutes, mm-hmm. like my redshirt year, I had a 0% chance of getting in the game. Even though I knew I couldn't get in the game, 
I knew it was still my responsibility in practice to make sure that the people who were getting in the game were as prepared as possible for the upcoming game. So I had a role on that team, even though I couldn't physically play. So if I don't play hard in practice, if I don't challenge them, if I don't fight through screens, if I don't, you know, nip at them and try to get under their skin, then they're not prepared to handle all of those things that are going to happen in a game because that happens in a game. People try to get in your skin, get in your head. Um, They're fighting through screens. They're clawing, they're scratching, whatever it is. But if I'm over there being more concerned about, um, well, they play more than me, I'm, I'm mentally taking myself out of the game. And then when I do get a chance to get in the game, I'm just kind of like, Oh crap, I'm in the game. What do I do? And then you come right back out. And then it's like, (laughs) that's probably why you don't get in the game because you're so focused on the wrong things that when you do get in the game, you can't even produce, you can't do anything because you mentally have not prepared yourself to get in the game. And and, and with the compare and contrasting of players and teams, it's like if everybody on your team could drive really, really well and everyone is strong drivers to the basket, well, who's going to shoot it when the defense collapse? Mm -hmm. Well, y'all are going to shoot it, but you probably won't make a high percentage. And if everybody on the team is really, really strong three-point shooters, but nobody can can create space, nobody can, um, you know, get their defender off balance – to get an open shot there's no post players to get the ball to where we have a strong post player who needs a double team to contain then it doesn't matter how great of a shooter we all are no one's going to be open because they're just going to lock you up and just shadow you and no one's going to be able to score so you don't necessarily want to be like exactly like other people on your team because then your team becomes easy to guard your team becomes easy easy to beat and frustration sets in and etc etc and it's just like so you really don't want to be like the next person you really don't want because if you have two two and three of the same people well only one of y'all is probably going to play because if you can do the same thing as this person and that person, you better be the best one of all three of y'all or you won't play. So you definitely want to have differences in your game. So comparing my game to this person's game Mm -hmm. is not helpful because they bring different things to the team, which you want, just like you bring different things to the team, which you want. And and, um, the most balanced teams have a higher success rate, have a higher winning percentage because there's no one person that you can key in on that shuts down the entire offense. And those are the teams that, okay, you may shut down options one and two, but then options three, four, and five just go off. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. You said only these two players can score. No, everybody can score, but these two players have been dominating the season, the game, whatever. Mm -hmm. But these players are still capable because they're still confident in their abilities, even if they're not the first, second, third options. And so those are the things that get taken away when you start comparing to your to other people on your team. The, the concept of team gets thrown down the drain and finger pointing comes into play when you start comparing across your team because you're you're focusing on the wrong things. You're focusing on why someone is better than me instead of focusing on keeping your strengths, the strength and focusing on 
um, how unique you are to the team to help the team win. And, and that's really, really important for players to, to really remember when they start, when comparison starts to creep in. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Even on the emotional side, I think you touched a little bit on it too, but those other things that really hurt the team is when, you know, if you're comparing yourself and you're feeling down about yourself because other people are different and maybe better in some areas, you start to uh, not be a good teammate. Yep. We're taking it off the court now. Now we're just maybe in class and we've got to make sure everybody gets to um, study hall. Yep. But you feeling so sour, you don't remind somebody that, you know, might be late. Yep. That, you know, petty stuff. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Say it. Petty. <laughs> um, you know, you stop, buy, you stop buying into what the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that starts to create its own little war, not war, but little thing between you and your coach and coaches. And you also kind of, that's negative energy for the team. Yep. Everybody has to buy in on their role to the team uh, to be successful and win. Um, something I wanted to touch on while you were talking, you were saying uh, back when you had to sit out that year. Yeah. And you were a practice player. Basically. Right? So, you know, in a coach's eye, if you're there for a whole year and still, even if you're not playing in the games, if their teammates and the team doesn't get better because of you, guess what they think? Oh, you might not be the right player. You might not be the right player. <laughs> you might not. So once you start playing, once you're able to play that next year, you might not even play. You might not play. Because for a whole year, you didn't make anybody better. You didn't make <laughs> us better. So right. That, you know, so those are right. things that we're thinking too. So not only do you have to work your butt off for that year to keep, stay in shape for yourself, uh, be a benefit but be a benefit to, to the team. And then that proves to the coaches, like, yes, this is why we wanted her to come play with us. Yep. And sat for a year, and this is why she's, she's going to get yep. whatever amount of minutes. Right. Yeah. You have a whole year. Basically, you, you have a yeah. whole year to prove yourself. Prove 40, yourself, exactly. 40 minutes. Each minute you <laughs> right. have a whole year. 365 days equals uh, 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no excuse. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like all of that stuff falls within leadership and it falls within your mentality and your mindset that you bring to whatever sport you play in. Right. So, I mean, whether you play 40 minutes a game, whether you play four minutes a game and I'm going to go out on the limb and say this. I have played 40 minute games and I have played 40 plus minute games when you start talking about overtime. That is hard. To be mentally locked in for 40 plus minutes. And I'm talking, you have to still, even though the clock isn't necessarily ticking when you're in timeouts, when you're at halftime, when the free throws are going, you still have to be mentally engaged. And that is exhausting. Mm -hmm. So think about it. If you're a 40 minute player, you're really a um, two hour mentally locked in player because you have to be mentally locked in from warm-ups, so it's probably even three hours, from warm-ups all the way through the end of the game if you play 40 minutes a game. Mentally, that's exhausting. Physically, yeah, who doesn't want to play the whole game? Like, you're in the game. You get to make things happen. Like, that's ultimately what you want to do. You want to be in the game. But think about the mental side of what that really means. Think about the mental side of what it means to play 40 full minutes 
That's a lot of um, mental preparation. That's knowing your scout because oh yeah, who knows who you're going to end up guarding. You may end up on their post player who is 6'6". Well, you know you're not going to block their shot, so what are you going to do as a 5'8 as a guard on a 6'6 player? Mm. I'm gonna need some help, or you're gonna have to you're gonna have to use your quickness mm-hmm. to get around in front and depend on weak side to help you if they throw a lob. You're gonna, but but the point is, if you play a switching defense and you play 40 minutes mentally, you have to know every single player's strength because if the person is a left shoulder turn and you guard their right shoulder, well, mentally you had a mental lapse and they got two points out of it. So you have to truly, you don't have time to be worrying about comparing your game to this or, oh man, she's 6'6 and I'm only 5'8. There's no way I can win. That's not true. Use your quickness. Use any other means within the confines of the game Mm -hmm. to win that battle for that possession. Because more times than not, you're not going to guard the 6'6 player for 40 minutes. You may get switched onto her throughout the game. Mentally lock in and be like, hey, my post player is in help side and I'm on the strong side block. Yeah. Maybe I can call them over for a double. Maybe as they're reversing the ball around, we just switch in the paint. I move to help side. My post player takes the six, six player, but that's a mental thing. That's knowing the game. That's knowing where your players are. But if your mindset says, man, I have to guard this six, six player and they're going to throw the ball to her and she's going to score and you're you're negatively talking to yourself during that play mm-hmm. you aren't helping your team you're already beat you're already beat exactly you are already beat so being mentally engaged is so vital to how you physically play like physical it doesn't matter how strong you are how fast you are like those things help but your mental game is what will give you the true edge in mm-hmm. any scenario. If you know, if you know your scouting report and you know that this player likes to do two dribbles, spin and go up with their right, hey, mm-hmm. count the dribbles. One, two, they're about to spin. Jump to the side that they're going to spin to and then you're you're you you've beat them at their own game. If you know that a post player likes to go baseline, well, one, you should probably play them in a way where it's hard to get them the ball on their on the baseline side and you depend on help. Or even if they get the ball, jump to the base, like get more to the baseline side. So then they either have to run straight through you. That's a charge. Or they have to go to their secondary option, which mm-hmm. they may not be as strong as. But we don't know that because they haven't had to use it yet. Sure. So, yeah, that's mental. That that takes mental energy in the mental capacity. So those forty minute players, hey, they're not just running up and down the court playing pickup like they're you know at the park or something. They have to be locked in mentally to make sure that they are being productive in those forty minutes. Timeouts become that much more important. Halftime becomes that much more important. Talking on the free throw line becomes that much more important. Just reminding your team like, hey, if she makes it, we're in A. And if she misses it, we're in B. Whatever your codes are. It could be man and zone. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're pressing. It, time and score. Time and score is so important. So those 40-minute players are are mentally locked into a whole nother level. And they don't have the ability to have those mental lapses as often. Therefore, Comparing, comparing 
is not an option for them. Those those are the players that they're trying to win by all means necessary. But if you're on the bench, say that say that 40 minute player fouls out with eight minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, that bench player who has been comparing themselves the whole time as to why they're not a 40 minute player or why they're not even a 20 minute player. Hey, come on in. You're up. You got eight minutes to to play. Are you mentally ready or were you complaining the whole time? Like, were you locked in on the bench? Were you watching the game, not watching the game as a fan, but Mm -hmm. watching the game to watch for tendencies, to watch for who has four fouls. If if your post player has somebody guarding them that has four fouls, get them the ball. Why not foul that post player out? Whether they're the best player on the team or not, foul them out. That's one less person they have to go to. So, I mean, Your mentality has to be focused on the right stuff across the board. So when you get in the game, you're ready. And that's why there's no room for comparison in sports in general, because that takes away from the stuff you should be focusing on. It does. And I was just thinking in my head, you can kind of, you have, you have to be selfish, right? And it's yeah. not, it's a, it's selfish in a positive way. I got to be thinking about myself and how I'm going to be productive, like you said, get in a game. I got to make sure I know what the heck's going on. Yep. I got to make sure I know what coach might adjust to. We went over a zone, we went over a press, and we went over a type of man. Yep. I got to be able to adjust and, and be locked in in the game. I don't have time to be look, looking at number 10 and worrying about how Chris Cross and <laughs> Right. Well, look at her handles. I wish I could do that. I have no time. Right. And, and, and as you were talking, I was writing down, as you were talking about scouting report, right? Mm-hmm. I was writing down who you said it. And I was like, you know, we play so many good teams in the Big 12. It's yeah. like, I got to guard somebody. Same, same position. Yep. She get 20 boards a game. Hallelujah. <laughs> She if that's her average, that means she gets more yeah. than 20. <laughs> she, or, you know, she uh, she's scoring 20, 20 yeah. uh, points. And how she scores, she she attacks the rim. Yep. Or she'll jab you and shoot. I'm like, I could have been worried about comparison every night, twice a, you know, twice a week off a of scouting report. Yep. But it was just more about always understanding what I do and then what we do as a team. Yep. And then whoever I'm guarding, I really got to key in on her tendencies, making yes. her do everything opposite. She has to work for everything that yeah. she usually gets, right? Yeah. And then also being locked in on the other people. So like the other players in the, on the team, right? The girls that obviously every if you're in college, people are good. People can score. People yes. can shoot. They can Absolutely. do whatever, right? So if you take away the top players, two or three players, you cannot then let the other girls you can't go have an all-star game on you right you can't let option four and five beat you i'm like man (laughs) talking about i didn't know she could shoot the three yes you did it was in the scouting report look right here it was on the scouting report it was the second thing (laughs) yo like scouting report was so it was so critical we had i'm gonna tell you how we did it we had a scouting report you probably you guys probably did it too but we would be at, I'll say, game day breakfast. Yeah. And, you know, we all knew Coach was going, she going to bust out, start asking people questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pop quiz. <laughs> yeah, pop quiz. Everybody get your scouting reports out. Damn. 
Yep. Man. Man. Yep. And then pregame, before the game, she's asking questions. Yeah. She might ask, she might ask a guard about a post player. She yep. And she will, not Mike. She's gonna switch it up and she's gonna ask our center about the point guard. Yep. What, what, why? But okay, here's something I'm gonna pause you. Yeah. Why would the center need to know what the point guard does? Because if the point guard gets to the rim, who's left to guard her? The post player. What is her go to move? Does she like the floater? Does she like the floater with her left? Does she like to fake and then do an up and under? Like the, the post player needs to know that in case mm -hmm. the guard gets beat off the dribble, or maybe it's a um. A zone and she breaks through the zone or whatever it doesn't matter but that's why for the athletes out there that's why it's important as a post player that you know what the guards tendencies are does she like the mid-range because then maybe you don't sit so far back to the basket if you know she prefers the mid-range mm -hmm. so the post players have to know that just like the guards have to know what the post players do because maybe the guard in the corner can mm -hmm. get down on the post player if, if the guard knows she likes to take three dribbles. That's three chances. I can swipe at the ball, at least knock it out of bounds, get her out of rhythm, make her think. So I didn't, I really didn't want to cut you off, but it was such a bad moment, like where the guards need to know what the posts do and the posts need to know what the guards do. Okay, I'm done. That's nah, my you good that. I love it. I love it. And I was going to say, um, you know, even thinking about thinking about the, the uh, scouting report, I, I think it was safe to say out of a team of 10 to 11 girls, if you're playing a team, we really have to take care of their top eight. Yeah, for sure. After that, they're the ninth and 10th girls. Um, they have one or two tendencies, but they might not play a lot. Right. Right. But you still got to know if somebody fouls out, they're coming in. Right. And they cannot, they can't be going on and off. They right. They cannot be going off. Um, and then it's like, you may, you may know that scouting report, like boom, A to Z. Yep. But you got to be smart enough to notice, like, hey, you coach said she's a three-point shooter, but she gave to the rat today. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. so in-game play, we also have to be able to adjust and be like, and, and say, okay, she's get, she's playing this way today. I know she can shoot the three. I got to adjust. I got to mm -hmm. play. I got to play for both. Or I got to ask for a little bit more help if I yep. need to. Right? So yeah. just, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You got anything, anything else we haven't covered yet on your notes? Um, we're just talking. This is good. No, stuff. we're just talking. I mean, it, really just comparing and contrasting. And that's really important. We sort of talked about that already with the finding what, um, what other people on your team do well, what you do well, and maybe adding it to your game. But then you also want, you want parity when you, a lot of teams don't have this, mm -hmm. and, and parity is basically just like everyone is just equal, and you want to have a team where the talent – well, I'm not going to say maybe not the talent, but the skill levels yeah. are varying because, you, like we said, you don't want a team that's just the exact same across the board because everybody is a puzzle piece, and everybody contributes to the team in their own way, and, and you really just have to focus on – what you bring to the team. And I just really want to hone in on that because it's so important. And, and there are just so many great players, so many great teams that just never live up to their expectation because they're too busy comparing. And, and it, it doesn't, it, parents can be guilty of this at times by saying, man, I wish you played like her. Yes. Mom, thanks mom. 
that just built my confidence. I'll I'll go try and pray to be her tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, like that doesn't that doesn't necessarily help. Yeah. And that that allowed the athlete to start comparing, like, well, what is it that she likes so much about um that person's game that she wants me to play like them. So then you start comparing and blah, blah, blah. So there's a, there's a little bit of a responsibility on the parents to not introduce comparison or to nip it in the bud when they start hearing their athlete want to compare and this, that, and the other. And it's not easy. It's definitely a lot of mental training and mental performance that goes into it. And that's something that I can definitely help with. And when you start focusing on those right things and you start focusing on your elite mindset and you start focusing on the awareness that you have in areas where you maybe start to be losing control and you need to bring yourself back more in control to be within the flow of the game to play at the level you need to play at, that can allow comparison to come in because then you're like, well, how do they stay so calm under pressure and I don't? Mm-hmm. And how does this happen? And then I, I can't do it. And, and so it's not that you can't do it. You can do anything. Have you been preparing for those moments? Maybe they have and maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't prepared enough. Maybe you're still learning that. But that's exactly where I come into play. Stuff that I like to do, stuff that I am doing is mentally preparing the athletes for those moments so that way they don't have to worry about what other people are doing. They don't have to worry about folding under pressure. um, I was listening to an interview with, it was Brianna Stewart and um, She's at Oregon. Her last name is Pow Pow. Tahina Pow Pow. She's a freshman at Oregon this year. And she said that she's like, either you're going to fold up or you're going to hold up. Well, what do you want to do? I like that. And so it's one of those things where if you are mentally preparing and mentally engaging and, and using the mental preparation that is needed and these skills that are needed to be mentally engaged in every play, no matter if you play four minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and the game goes into eight overtimes. It doesn't matter. You have to be engaged. And those mental lapses are what essentially can make or break a team. Like think about if everybody is in zone and you're playing man to man and you're in the person in your zone coverage area scores. Well, that's a mental lapse. Where were you? Oh, I was guarding so-and-so. We're in zone. Oh, that's a mental lapse, right? That can make or break a game. It can make or break a season. That that could be the reason why the season ends, you know, why you don't make playoffs. So those 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 moments where um what you're focusing on come into play, you just never know where a person's mindset is and you need to know those things and you need to train those things that that is so important. Just like you train the physical, just like you go out in your driveway and you shoot threes or you shoot free throws or you do ball handling drills with the cones and the tennis balls and all the crazy drills that are out there. Cause there are a lot of them Yeah, and they're all great. Just like you train physically for those moments. That's how you have to train mentally. We do mental drills that turn into your mental skills, which turn into your mental skill set, which is just as important as the physical. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was thinking, like, you know, how how can we practice to be 
mentally focused. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't, I can't think of it right now, but just to be present. Mm -hmm. And I was writing down some things that, that can happen throughout the course of every day of college, for example, high yeah. school, before you even get to practice and in the game, right? Yeah. So first school, in class, are you focused for that 30, that 45 minute class? Mm -hmm. Or are you, have you, were you there for only the first 10 minutes? And then you pull out your phone or you're over here daydreaming about something. I caught, like, I daydream very easy. I, I catch myself. I, mm -hmm. I'll catch myself, but then I, I redirect and I try right. to stay on focus. Right. So if you just have purpose with things like that, um, when you're walking in the hallway, I'm talking about be effective and efficient with all the time that you have. Yeah, right. When you're walking in the hallway to your next class, like, uh, think about a play or think about something that you wanted to change in how you practice or whatever it was, whatever it is, right? Right. Think about that on that walk. Um, during weights, you have a whole workout. We probably have like three separate comp complexes, right? Yeah. Three or four exercises in each. Right. And then you got your little conditioning on the, on the, uh, um, what's the thing, man? The treadmill. The treadmill? Yeah, yeah. me and the treadmill are not friends. I walked out. I walked out. I, I don't, it's not really in my vocabulary anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. So, like, in that in that 45 minute or that hour of a workout, are you focused on, okay, we got these exercises for three times, right? And then we got that next set. Then we got that next, like, mm -hmm. just being focused in everything you do so that being focused in general, is not a whole separate task, right? right. It's not a whole different skill right. once we get on the court for practice in the game. I'm right. focused on all the other laser, um, laser focus and all the other parts of my day, my school, um, film, even my weights, my rehab, if I've got to do that with my our athletic trainer. And then when I get to the court and we're teaching something, I can I understand how to compartmentalize it and learn it and remember. Right. Like you just can't turn it on. Like right. we're McDonald's All Americans, and I tell you, I was never a flip switch, uh, switch flipper. No one is. <laughs> no one. No. No one is. No one is a water faucet. You can't just be on and off. Like it doesn't. It it doesn't exist. And so when it comes to focus, something that I tell my athletes is focus on the next two hundred feet. Just like when you're driving in a car, yeah. the headlights only can see, at, especially at night, or obviously at night because daylight is daylight. But at night, when you're driving a car, your headlights can only see so far. You can't mm. see eight miles up the road with your headlights. It's not possible. Right. But you can see the next 200 feet. So to stay in the moment and stay present, focus on the next 200 feet. Write it on your wristband. Write it in your locker. Yes. It doesn't matter. Focus on the next 200 feet, and that will keep you present. And then you you work through different strategies. Um, so we have your red light, green light, yellow light. If you don't know what that is, check out my website. I can yeah. definitely work with you guys on that. But that's just high level understanding where are you mentally when things are going good and things are going bad. Mm. How do you regroup? That's what the red light, yellow light, green light is teaching you. Okay. Um, also, when it comes to focus, I this is where I really like to insert the mental imagery and, and more so mental imagery than meditation, because when I think meditation, I like my eyes to be closed, but mental imagery. So as you are walking down the hallway and headed to practice or headed to the weight room, 
visualize yourself. You don't have to close your eyes for this, but just be going through what is my workout going to look like? I'm probably going to have a warm up. So visualize yourself going through the warm up and engaging. Visualize yourself um, doing your bench press, doing your squats, you know, your power cleans, whatever, because see, everything happens twice. It happens first in your mind and then it happens in reality, right? So if you never let it happen in your mind. It's probably not going to happen in reality. Sort of like speaking it into existence, right? You speak it. If somewhere the universe hears it, we don't know where, and then boom, whenever it happens, it may be right away, it may be a year from now, it doesn't matter. So mental imagery is sort of like that. So you, it happens twice. You, you think it in your mind, you visualize it in your mind, and then you do it in reality. And so as you, I, use, I like to say using those transition periods in your day, sort of like what you were saying, mm-hmm. walking down the hallway, going to your class. So if you are walking to history, your history class, well, to stay present, I would not want to be thinking about the sleep that I could have gotten if I didn't schedule this history class, because that's not going to be <laughs> history class. All it's going to do is make you sleepy. And then when you sit down in history class, you're going to be thinking about sleep. So as you're going to history class, think about, OK, what did we talk about last session? What did I read in my book? What did I study? That way you're mentally preparing yourself for history related topics on your way to history class, which puts you in a history mindset. So when you get into history class, you could be engaged. Sit straight up in your chair. Just do this. If everyone just rubs their hand together like this, what happens? It's generating energy, right? It's going to wake you up. Just like when teachers say stand up and turn around in three circles. It's really silly, but it's generating energy. So being present is what's important when you're when you're putting when you're putting your practice gear on, lacing up your shoes. Use that time as a as a mental imagery experience. Um, you know, yeah, you're putting on your shoes. You're feeling how the laces feel. You're feeling how your jersey feels, the texture of your jersey. You're you're thinking about the sound of the basketball hitting the hardware. You're thinking about the smells of the gym. You're using use your five senses mm-hmm. to mentally engage yourself in your upcoming activity. What are the sounds of the whistles, the buzzers, the the ball hitting the hardwood, the smell of the gym, um, the sound of squeak, the sneakers squeaking on the hardwood floor? You know, what is practice potentially going to look like? What game do we have coming up? How do I need to mentally figure out how to get the scouting report into practice? How do if, if you don't get in, if you're not in um you can still be getting mental reps when you're standing on the sideline. That helps keep you present in practice until it's your turn to actually get on the court. I don't know about you, but when we were going through scouting report, we had three groups and every group had to defend every single play from the other that the other team was going to play. So if I, you were out for two plays and you were in for one play, which means you had one play to get it right. That's it. You got one play to get it right and you have two plays to learn it. So. I mean, unless you're the starter, then I guess you have no place to learn it. So you better know it. But um, those players that are still standing on the sideline, how do you mentally engage in practice in that aspect? Watch the person who's in the position that you're in. Watch the person who's guarding a player that you're going to guard. Maybe you mimic it on the sideline like, or you go through it in your head like, okay, they're setting a ball screen. What does our scouting report say? We fight over the ball screen. 
or the scouting report may say we're switching. So where do I need to position my body whenever um, we have a switch situation? Well, I, you want to go under the post and you probably want to jam them so they don't just slip and go to the basket. That's how you mentally engage. Those are just very, very few examples of how you mentally engage in practice when you're not physically on the court. Being on the sidelines does not mean you sit down and you think about whatever else, the test that you have coming up or what you're going to eat for dinner or, man, I really want some Gatorade. I hope the trainer makes some. Like, that's not what being on the sideline is for. It's for encouraging your teammates, locking in and focusing on what the coach is coaching. Because if the coach is coaching one person, they don't want to have to coach you on the exact same thing. But it takes being mentally engaged definitely don't to, to pick up on those things because clearly if one guard is fighting over the screen the coach is going to expect you to fight over the screen yeah. so but those are just small ways in which you mentally engage and that's how you stay present in the moment is through that mental engagement and so it's it's definitely how you can grow and earn the respect of your teammates and coaches is through your mental engagement because as soon as you get on the court they don't have to coach you because you're doing it right because you already know what to do. You already know what to expect. You know what's going on. When you get subbed in the game, you unless you're going in for a post player for end of the game scenario you and you're playing man to man, you should never have to ask the person coming out of the game who they're guarding. You should know because you were just watching them guard that person. It really irks my nerves, but people do it. Maybe that's just something that they have to communicate anyways. I don't know. It's up to the coach. But those are areas that you mentally engage in the game. That's how you stay in the game and practice, even in the weight room, for conditioning. And, and it just feed, that energy feeds and it exudes out of you because then you start walking with confidence because you know exactly what's going on because you've been paying attention the whole time. Yeah. And that's how those 40, 40 players can play. I mean, those 40 minute players can play 40 minutes because they've spent all of practice being so mentally engaged for two and three hours that their use, their brain has been trained in to be mentally engaged for that long. So it, it, it all ties together but that mental engagement is is what takes athletes to the next level. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's literally practiced all day, every day. It becomes a habit. That's mm -hmm. that's just a habit of high performers. Right. Exactly. Um, yep. And that that can leak into your school, your education. Yep. Uh, that leaks into your career, your business. It's the same the same you know qualities we have as athletes we can also put that to to use in our careers and our business absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's just a different platform absolutely <laughs> probably not to, maybe not as natural to us but the same characteristics and skills sets yeah. especially uh, emotionally right yeah. mentally, we got it we got it um i wanted to add on a couple things too when you're on the outside and they're working on plays and you're trying to stay mentally focused was for me I was both, right? I, I was very visual. Mm -hmm. If I had if I had many reps to watch, it was great. If we didn't have many reps to watch, I would either talk through it as mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be doing the action. Yeah. Right? So, uh, right screen, right screen, go under. I'm talking. I and mean, we should yeah. be talking as a team. We should yeah. be helping the people that are on the floor out. Absolutely. Anyway, right? So, oh, or I would talk through it. That way, if something happened and I said the wrong, I said something different, I knew, okay, what are we supposed to be doing there? 
Coach, I have a question, right? Ask high quality questions. Coaches don't mind if you ask questions, but don't ask. If you've seen it, if they showed you four times, like you shouldn't be asking a question. Like it shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Please don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like that's when they get that's when they get irritated and they get mad and you're like, yeah, they really like can't trust just get on the line. Just get on the line. You're not paying attention. <laughs> but <laughs> if you ask questions, ask a high quality question. Yeah. Say that you don't understand. Say Say, I don't understand, or coach, can you show? I feel like my feet are wrong. Can you show me how my footwork yeah. should be? They're yeah. more, they are more than, than glad to show you, right? Yeah. Um, but just make sure. I mean, ask questions. I ask a lot of questions, even overseas. Like, I, when I felt, you know, how you feel the tension of a coach explaining something, and, and you're like, does anybody understand that? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question, <laughs> right? Because look. When I got overseas, I was like, it happened so many times. I was like, I'm not going to get, he's not going to get mad at us because I, I don't, I feel like that wasn't explained very well. <laughs> so let me just ask for everybody else because I know their faces looking like, yeah, she didn't get it. Come, yeah. can we say that one more time? <laughs> and sometimes, a lot of times though, let me know what you think. But a lot of times when you ask a question, there's a there's more people that are thinking the same thing, mm -hmm. but just won't raise their hand. They just won't be vulnerable and say, I don't get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know? If I you have the question, right. someone else does, guaranteed. Yeah, I want to get it right, and I want to make sure everybody gets it right too. I like the I like what you said about talking through the play, because then when someone says, "Hey, that's not right," yeah, you know exactly what you were saying when they said that's not right, instead of just kind of going through and trying to remember what you just did. And yeah. so I really, I really like that. That's a, that's a great tip. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, shoot. I don't have anything else on my list or in my head that we can, we can talk to, talk to, uh, talk about today, except for getting my words out correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Can we, let's talk about this. Okay. So lately, well, this weekend, I've been trying to figure out, shoot, how do I be more, uh, effective with my time in my business. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of run through the things that I do per day. And, you know, some things I can do earlier in the day to get them off. There's, there's smaller things. It's a little email. It's sending a quote or something. I can get those. Or videos. Sorry. Or, or the videos from the. I did it. I you did it. I didn't get them. I stay locked in. End of the game. <laughs> I don't know what time I did that. Like I don't know, twelve o'clock last night. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good teammate. Um, but I'm working on me time. Yeah. Right. So you gotta be as athletes, as business women, whatever you're doing in your career, you gotta have you time, which is. Yeah. Whether it's thirty minutes in the morning to two hours, so yeah. I think mine is about. I have. I look back there because it's on my board. It's about an hour and a half. So I'm starting to read more. Yeah. Right? Um. So I do. I'm meditating. Just started that. Meditating for maybe fifteen minutes. Stretch for fifteen, and I read one of my books for thirty minutes. Look, mm -hmm. I got a stack of books that I ain't read. So I'm like, <laughs> this is. Hey, but you're starting now, and that's what's important. Yes, and like thirty minutes makes me feel so accomplished because. There's so many days I am booking pick up a book. And you know what else I told myself is that I don't like reading. 
Mm. I actually do like reading. It's just the book has to be interesting. Right. Of course. So I have to change my mindset and my talk, yep. right? Mm -hmm. My verbiage to myself and not, and not say I don't like reading because I don't um, comprehend it. No. Pick good books <laughs> and read. Right. <laughs> if it's not interesting, I mean, move on. Right. Move on. So I've been working on this just hour and a half of me time so that I can crush my day and then I can actually give to my kids when I coach and right. give on this podcast. And I feel like I have that energy. Yeah, morning. for sure. Yep. So that could be something that I think every player should do starting as young as you can. Maybe it's 30 minutes. I don't know what you do, but do something yeah. <laughs> that gets you started for the day, gets you your peace, your joy, that happiness. Right. And, and what I hear you saying is have an AM routine. And that's something that I help with time or um, time management organization is book ending your day, sort of like a bookshelf. Yeah. You book end your day with a PM routine. And the better your PM routine is, the more effective your AM routine is. Because mm -hmm. if you don't get the right amount of sleep and you don't wind down properly and you don't get good sleep, then your AM routine is going to be thrown off because you're either going to oversleep, you're going to snooze, you're not going to feel rested, you're going to then you're going to get up later and you're going to rush to get to where you need to be at whatever time it is because you didn't allow yourself the proper AM routine, which kind of sets the tone for your day. And so that's exactly what you've just described is an AM routine where you it doesn't necessarily mean you have to wake up at the same time every single day. Most people essentially do. But what an AM routine means is you have a certain set of things that you do each day before your day officially starts. And when you wake up, your AM routine is when it that's when it starts, whatever it is. And so you may have like six things that you do before you get to leave for work or whatever it is. And and yours just happens to be the meditation, the stretching and the reading. And then you feel like, okay, now I can start my day yeah. and start rattling off whatever checklist you, you may have or things you want to accomplish for that day. Mm -hmm. And so bookending your days with AM and PM routines feeds directly into organization, allowing time for yourself having that self-care because everyone needs self-care. It's not selfish. It's something that we all need, especially it'll help with your mental health. It'll help with your stress, your anxiety, all of these things. So you, you really want to incorporate whatever it is that you like doing that helps you be stressed from the day. And it can be yeah. literally anything. And so, um, yes, your AM routine is great. I actually was just telling one of my friends today, I was like, I need to get back on my routine because I'm just kind of like all over the map these last few weeks because yeah. I start my day the way I used to a month ago and yeah. it's really impacting my productivity. So yes, um, AM PM routines, if you need help with those, reach out to me. I'm definitely on board for helping and working through all of that with you to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, definitely do it. And and the you brought up a PM bookend, right? Mm -hmm. I have alarms on my clock that says, get 30 minutes. You got 30 minutes to play, right? Yeah. For your video game, right? Yeah. And then there's another alarm, get in the bed, go yeah. to bed, start relaxing. And I have to do that because if not, I'll be up till two o'clock just doing stuff, chilling. And then my AM is going to come around about 6.30. 
And yeah. when I get up at 6.30, if I get up at 6.30, right. I'm all out of whack. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. Or I, I hit the snooze and it's going to be 9 o'clock and then <laughs> I'm all messed up anyway. Right. I'm still messed up. You're still I'm, messed up. I'm late in my day. Yep. Right? And a great PM routine is really what drives a great AM routine. It's not the other way around. Your night routine has to be the thing you tackle first in order for your AM routine to be successful. Yes, I agree. I, I agree with that. Totally. Well, boom, coach, any other thoughts before we get up off of here? I got nothing. I mean, you see my email address on the screen. So if you guys want to talk more mindset, mental performance, then that's where to reach me. My website's up there as well. As always, Coach, I appreciate you having me on here. I always look forward to it. We always have a great time. Me too. I love it. And guys, if you're if you're watching, parents, other coaches that have teams and AAU programs, um, athletes, if you are looking to take your game and your mental game to the next level, you need to be contacting Coach TK. Right. Yeah, I'm do not do do not leave your mental performance and your encore performance up to chance. Amen. Don't leave it up to chance. Don't leave it in the air. Do something about it. All right. All right, y'all. Coach, stay on. But all right. We are getting off. Um, I hope y'all enjoy it. Let me get. If you guys have any questions, email me at coach uh, askcoache at gmail.com. We yeah. can answer questions. We want your comments. We want your questions. We want to tackle uh, situations that you're dealing with as parents, coaches, and players of any sport, not just basketball. We want to help you guys uh, and, and gals as much as we can. We love this. We love you. And this is what we do. So holler out a player. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we out. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>